Hello, and welcome to the No Good Poetry Podcast. Each week we talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly of poetry. This is episode 45 with Joseph Makos and Joseph Bievenu. This is the good, bad, and the ugly, isn't it? Some ugly shit out there, kids. Let's make the world safer for poetry. So we are uh, here. We are on the at the uh, Codex again on St. Claude. Back at the Nola Codex. DNA, whatever it's you want. So you want to call it. You have eighteen names for this place. No, 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 no. <laughs> I think it's. I think it's all pretty much Nola DNA now because Codex is just Codex is like my pet nickname for the print shop, I guess. Well, we're back at Codex, and today we have as a guest Chris Sullivan. How are you doing tonight, Chris? Uh, good evening, Joseph and Joseph. And I'm really pleased to be here at Codex. It's my first visit, and I am just surrounded by language. It's, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really glad to be here. Yeah, it's like a little nest in here. It's nasty. Yeah, I mean, there's stuff, you know. There's books and pieces and parts. And, and shards and paper. trims and there's, there's cutters. definitely and some trims around here. God, I love paper cutting. If y'all want to get on this later, you can get on this. This is a, uh... uh I didn't... Uh, wait, is that a new typewriter? I haven't seen that one before. Uh... Brother Charger. Uh, uh, uh Flea Market in Bay St. Louis, Mississippi. Uh, or, uh, Pass Christian, right? Menge, Mississippi. This was, uh, 20 bucks. It's a good deal. Super nice Brother metal. I don't think I've ever used a Brother manual. Look at this, look at this. Look at that. It looks pretty. Clean. It looks pretty light for a manual. It's very light. Yeah. I think any typewriter that has a case and has ribbon in it and is in decent shape and it works for the most like, you never know if there's a key popping up because you can always bend that down and you can always blow it out with air and stuff. You know to clean them up and just treat them. Twenty. I mean, twenty bucks all oh, day long. Twenty. Bucks I will always spend spend twenty dollars on a typewriter. For that's, any manual typewriter at this point yeah. is a great deal because yeah. I think it's worth really like a hundred, but yeah, yeah. it works. I think you're right, Joseph. Do you have typewriters? <laughs> um, honestly, uh, you know, I, it was a big thrill, like in 1982, to have a Tiffany Selectric to write on. Fuck yeah! I felt like I was just armed and and, uh, but I gave up the Selectric probably about I don't know five or seven years later. Okay. Did you ever like bust out mimeograph stencils on that? I never did. Never did. No, I just tried to create literature, and I failed at that. So what was, like, the technological advance that made you abandon this electric? <laughs> I think it was moving from Bakersfield to San Francisco, and, you know, you have uh, 526 square feet, you know, so, yes. Yeah, so, so, so it's kind of a big piece and of machinery. Also, also like... that little square Macintosh. Yeah. Oh, the little thing. What was that called? The Plus the, or something like the that? The Mac Plus. Yeah, so that's what really made it. Was that what it was called? The Plus? I was thinking uh, it was the 2E or Macintosh something. Macintosh Plus. No, what was that? Oh, uh, no, okay. Yeah. You might think. Right? What was there the 2E? What was the 2E? The 2E was a little bigger, and it was it had okay. a separate disk drive, but Mac Plus was I like a one thing with a disk drive in the thing. They were. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. I think that's the first computer... I ever 
learned how to do actual computer stuff on. Cool. But you didn't. Yeah. You did two E. No. Well, no. I mean, I I had a home computer, but I think like in school that was the first computer we had were those little well, Macs. Well, can we talk yeah. about Microsoft uh, Word five point one? <laughs> is this like a, was this was that like a crowning achievement of Microsoft Word? Well, it was just really nice to use, and I used it on that Macintosh. I yeah. mean, it was, it was nice. Yeah. So anyway, five point one. Let's not talk about that. <laughs> Can you tell us about the first time that you like, you say this is IBM Selectric thing, but you know, with all the different font balls too, you could always have yeah. different elements, font elements, right? Yeah. But um, we know you're a bookmaker. And uh, found books, but uh, can you... Well, you don't find the book. We don't find the book, yeah. <laughs> found books. <laughs> I just found this book. It's completely ready to go. Like, all I got to do is slap my name on it and publish it. I found books like that. <laughs> yeah. I have. Tell, I us about a, tell us about a book that you found like that. Okay, well, I go to Craigslist, all right, and I, I enter in <laughs> I love Couch, and I enter in Free... And I just start looking around. I don't stick to one city. I go over the whole country. And then I start putting in ripped couch and torn couch and stained couch. I got a beautiful 100-page book. I made it in the course of a weekend. Nice. Yeah. So that's one way to... And I think there is, in the Craigslist sofa picture, there is a chance for poetry. And you do occasionally run across it. I find it really poetic, actually. Well, I had another thought about that, claiming that's a found book. I guess it's a took book, you know? Took book. I mean, took it. A lot of stuff that's called found is actually took. Well, you're doing deep material culture research. I mean, that's what you're doing. I mean, yeah. it's, in well, a certain I, sense, wanna... it really is. It's, 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 a, it's like an investigation of social norms through uh, material culture that people are... Uh, trying to get rid of. Are you just looking specifically are for free couches? No, no. I that I, one was I, just couch. I will look because I love you know floral couches. I you know a lot of times you see the dogs on the couch. A lot of times I'm I'm looking for. There's a lot of stuff that comes with a couch. You know. There's a lot of baggage that comes with the couch. Yeah, I mean some of the people are good enough <laughs> to say you know uh, yeah we had cockroaches so you know. Um, <laughs> you might get a treat. Yeah, and you get the ones where they're like, "Well, our cats peed on this. It's it's really yeah, nice, but you. it still smells like yeah, you smells. You know, you. maybe it's good for someone who has a home where you don't you don't <laughs> smell so good." There's something really cool about couches outdoors too. You know? Oh yeah, and that's a that's a pretty common recurrent staple of the. Porch couches are pretty nice. Yeah, yeah. You know? Well, they'll put them in the driveway, you know, I guess. Well, that too. <laughs> well, and in New Orleans, on the neutral grounds, there's plenty of people that's yeah. like, all right, this is my hangout spot, yeah. and they have the couch right on the neutral ground. I'd like to, I mean, that'd be a fun experiment if we bought a bunch of cheap used couches and just set them up in the neutral ground right across from the studio here. Yeah, we could do that. We could sit in them and hang out. There could be some unintended consequences there, Joseph. Yeah, that's why I'm not doing it. That's why I'm not doing it across from my house. Look, (laughs) that's why we're doing it across from Mako's house. Yeah. Okay. Good. We 
probably talked about well, couches enough. I was going to say, let's not get couches okay. as part so of the conversation. I, I want to talk to Chris about some more of his projects, but I think maybe before we do that, we kind of jump the gun a little bit. Yeah. Maybe we should, you know, because I don't know if all of our audience really knows what found poetry is or what that concept means. And I don't even know if you claim that's what you're doing necessarily, but it's certainly related to that idea, even if that's not exactly what you're doing. What do we what do we think we mean when we're talking about found poetry? You know, I look at it in, in a certain way of exploring a sort of footbridge or pathway of taking something not entirely out of context, but you could say there's a range of context in which you can take something in. You could you know, you could go out right now with your cell phone and you could walk from here to, you know, the French quarter. And through, like, the idea of field composition and the idea of working in sort of certain aspects of detournment and being a flaneur and, like, walking meditation and, like, Williams and Olsen. And you could could write a poetry book before you get to Frenchman Street, you know, and that could be found poetry. I mean, it could be a series of, of observations, things you write down, things that are text, or there could be a series of photographs that tell a story or don't even need to tell a story. It could be, like... A mail. You could take. You could take a picture of a hundred mailboxes between here and here in the French Quarter, and that could become a book. And you could say that's a found poetry book. So would we say the curation of the things you find in the world, even if it's a somewhat, even if you're allowing that curation to not necessarily rest in your decision making, the curation is what turns it into poetry. Or it is poetry, but the the curation by putting them together is kind of what makes it poetry. Um, I think you know it when it's uttered, you know? Yeah. I, 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 I don't know. I think, uh, for me, it's just a personal response. Is I want to preserve this, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, uh... But I guess that's what I mean. I think, like, like I, I mean, I understand the impulse is just like, yeah, I want to preserve this. But I guess for someone who reads one of your books or, or views one of your books, I don't even know what the right word is. Part of the interest of it is seeing well, the things that you chose, right? Oh, there's yeah, a whole yeah. lot of curating going on. Yeah. You bet. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right, so what, what have we got here? So you pull uh, the book out of the bag. Yeah, this is the first issue of the Journal of Public Domain. All right. And I uh, published it in 1999 after collecting paper for about 10 years. And uh, not just me, I had a bunch of um, contributing editors, you know. I had a pavement editor in San Francisco. um, And I think, uh, I'll just mention it came about, I I saw an art exhibition at New Langton Arts in 1988 called Special Collections. And I'd been trying to make art photos for a few years, you know. without uh, much formal training. So this was a real eye-opener for me. You walked in and you immediately saw on the far wall was the shape of a shoe heel. It was about maybe six feet high, and it was made out of shoe heels that the person had collected. Um, And you went a little further, and uh, there was this woman, 19th century, who traveled all over the world with like a hammer and a chisel and bottles and notes and all that. 
And, you know, she came back with a piece of the Great Wall and a piece of the Colosseum. <laughs> she went down to Well, the that's kind of great. <laughs> yeah, you saw that. And then there was a guy who just collected paper from the public domain. Um, and, uh, well, before that was the guy who collected smashed kind of pavement index and three cigarette packages. <laughs> you know, I don't know. Um, and, and then there was a guy who just collected paper, you know, like, you know, at the uh, corner store where they have their pornography magazines, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, a little cardboard, uh, Sharpie, no looking assholes, <laughs> you know. Um, well, yeah, I'm, well, I'm not to explain that. I don't know if people even remember that. Right. Well, you, <laughs> well, okay. Yeah, my most. Well, I am dating. There's a story from 1988 when things were still like that. So that's what you're talking about—the pieces of cardboard to hide the cover from people who from people who are just walking through. Well, uh, and also so you wouldn't rifle through them and ruin the magazine. Right? No, you yeah. you can actually see them. This is permissive San Francisco. So no, this was just a little sign. No, it was just a sign. It wasn't even or, like yeah. I'm remembering like because you remember it's the, like the piece of cardboard that would block the cover, so you had to go get it so I'm you would see that it. Permissive yeah. state of California. No, I guess maybe not. Yeah, yeah. To go, yeah. <laughs> um, no, that was just a little advisory from the management. Um, but he collected multiple of these. That was the. Uh, he well, he collected that. Uh, he all sorts of paper, you know. Yeah, uh, yeah. There was a crumpled piece of uh, loose leaf where a boy named Randy was instructed by his teacher to repeatedly write, "I will come when I am called. I will not break dance in the hall. I will not <laughs> laugh when teacher calls my name. I will come when I am called. I will not." You know, 25 I, I will not break dance in the hall. And, and, it, and you can see the handwriting. It's just very distracted and disturbed, and it's a big effort, you know? That's yeah, there's a, so there's a book. I saw that, and I was just captivated. Yeah, know? yeah. And I, I started collecting paper. I started looking for it, you know? And that led to you putting the first issue of this together. Yes, it That did. you're holding in your it, hand it here. Did. I wanted to get it out before the friggin' millennium, but I found certain categories. San Francisco was... Pretty rich in blocked driveway windshield notes, you know, which is an interesting place. It's where the private domain and the public domain intersect. True. And there is a flash, a lot of friction, such as this one right here. Pretty good. And it reads... I always thought this was William Carlos Williams. I don't know. <laughs> is the problem that you can't read plain English? Or is it because you are just another rude fuck who doesn't pay attention to signs saying, don't park in my driveway? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I don't know. Uh... <laughs> I like <laughs> what is going on here? It's like there's it's some strange Eastern huh? Easter Island totem. Yeah, yeah. He, <laughs> he, he didn't just. What, what was this stamped on there? I don't understand. Yeah, it's a stamp. It's, it's, a stamp. it's like I'm going to write a, a note complaining about this, but I'm going to use my stamped piece of. Yeah. So I'm <laughs> I'm, I'm looking at telephone poles a lot closer. Uh, I think this is one of the greats employments of a semicolon I've ever encountered. 
Reward for copy of video George Bush and members of Congress had taken of me making love. <laughs> they sought to thwart my fraud-proof national telephone voting system that allows voters to vote from their home phones on any issue before Congress. AT&T <laughs> has offered to assist me. Yeah, so I was looking for that. That's, that's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a great. Again, from a telephone pole. Dog missing at approximately 6 p.m. Saturday, June 2nd, 1990, <laughs> near the corner of 22nd Avenue and Geary Boulevard. A black miniature poodle disappeared. <laughs> That's a gorgeous sentence. <laughs> Like in thin air, like it just disappeared. Yeah, here's <laughs> one I want to share with Joseph Makos. As materially intensive as your life is, Joseph. <laughs> uh, that's one I. Oh, really wow. Like. Wow. <laughs> Not expensive, carefully. $19 an hour moving delivery. With Not, Russian With Russian, too. That's so good. Yeah. <laughs> And look at look at the drawing. I mean, isn't that the guy it's, you want handling your stuff? Definitely. Yeah. So. Yeah, he's using he's like a he's like in some sort of like Mazda wagon, like a it, <laughs> it looks it look but it's like Mazda's response to the um, El Camino. Yeah. <laughs> well, it looks like someone traced parts of various different cars to yeah. make that. Drawing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I'm really. Uh, you're you're kind of cracking an egg open right now that I that I that I know about, but I kind of like don't want the demon to come out about like the, the found thing. You know, I was looking here and I, I can't find them. But um, when I was in the streets of Buenos Aires, Jesus, San- you can make a found poetry book just out of things found in the studio. Oh, I'm pretty you, sure. I, you can make a hundred <laughs> books. You can make a hundred. You can make a hundred books of found poetry out of the stu- you find the studio. But uh, yeah, it was. I was finding all the little tiny like cards this big but they were for all like the prostitutes in Buenos Aires and they were all printed in different colors yeah. so as I walked I around Buenos Aires I was yeah. like grabbing them like I was like I want one of each color you know I was like, is to, this risograph yeah. printing I was trying to st- but this is a thing that I do when I go and I travel <laughs> I collect things on the street and look for things found paper found items found objects because I find that it creates memories for me, mm-hmm. things and not like the tourist goes into the gift shop and purchases. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that I look at this sometimes and I just think, man, there's so much found poetry to be had out there. Yeah, and like, yeah, yeah, and 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 yet it's all about framing it. You know, it's all about framing it. Sort of, um, I think like I think like when you put it into a book and you just showed us a bound book, I think that that's framing. It is, absolutely. you know, and that's absolutely. what and that's absolutely. what it takes um but i don't know there's something drew me to the printed ephemera or the created ephemera of a culture especially like this is cool this stuff you're showing us is cool as shit but for me i'm I'm just thinking specifically about uh in a culture that you don't know but doesn't so i mean even some of that stuff that chris just read i feel like is a culture i don't know I mean, some of it is culture, I know, but it's like, even, maybe that's part of what's interesting, right? Even the guy complaining about the parking, 
That doesn't even feel like a culture I know necessarily. <laughs> well, here, here's uh, a culture I sure hope you don't know about, Joseph. <laughs> it's a stipulation number nine on the male dress code from Victory Markets Incorporated. Hair shall be kept clean and styles should not cover any part of the earlobe. Hair should be kept neatly trimmed on the sides and back and extend downward on the back of the head. It should not extend over the collar of a customary dress shirt. Beards are not acceptable. Mustaches are acceptable, but must be neatly trimmed. The edges should not extend beyond a line perpendicular to the corner of the mouth. Sideburns are acceptable, but should not extend beyond the bottom of the ear, should be in a straight line perpendicular to the horizontal plane of the head, and should be well <laughs> trimmed so as to avoid the appearance of being bushy. Well, I hate to wow. tell you, but I had a pretty similarly worded policy to that for my high school that I attended. Okay, okay. It, was, it, was, it got pretty in detail about the facial hair hair yeah, policy. Yeah, it's, 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 I kind of <laughs> some fetish there but, in that. Yeah, you know, well, it is kind of gets to that yeah, point. Yeah, but that's a beautiful <laughs> phrase. So that was, was that, this is San Francisco? Yeah. Right here? Taken off a supermarket. Uh, that's like an anti-hippie thing, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's it, totally, it's oh, got to yeah, be, right? Certainly, to some extent. It was yeah. collected way upstate New York. Okay, uh, that one yeah, was, that yeah, one was, yeah. Upstate. I think maybe one interesting thing when you collect these things, too, is sometimes it's maybe hard to tell which things are, are sincere and which things are a joke. Recently, I saw you post something from a long time ago, but it was about someone saying something about fat removal, and they had little baggies... Oh, yeah, yeah, of, yeah. ...of yeah. some substance attached to the flyer. That, that is a pretty fabulous joke there. I mean, yeah. it just kind of returns the whole notion of what a free sample is, you know? Um, free samples, but, yeah. But, yeah, yeah. I, I think most of the things I... I collect, or yeah, they're not intended, um, but certainly, yeah. That, that's I mean, I, I mean, I guess that's a sidetrack, but I think maybe some of them are. Well, that was probably oh, obviously oh, a joke. Oh, I hope, yeah. But yeah. or it's really disturbing <laughs> if it was not a joke. No, I think it's just some disgusting little. But then there's some stuff where where I think you feel like you need to. Uh, it's not clear. Is it a joke or is it not a joke? I remember one around. Town for a long time here that always confused the hell out of me, and I couldn't tell if it was a joke or if it was serious. Where it would be pieces of cardboard handwritten AIDS testing, like ten dollars, and then they would have a phone number. It kind of uh, is hard to believe that someone would <laughs> call a handwritten sign. For AIDS testing, but then it's <laughs> yeah not exactly. I don't know what the joke is yeah. either. If it's yeah. a joke, yeah, just inexplicable. Yeah, I, I've yeah. seen a few like that around here, and and they kind of recur, like the people who want to buy old uh, glucose test strips from diabetics. <laughs> Like what? The, what are you what doing the, with have, that? Have you seen it? <laughs> yeah, I've yeah, seen yeah. Really? <laughs> yeah, it just. And the only thing I can think is, well, maybe there's just a very heavy morbidity 
among diabetics and uh, estates are going down and uh, yeah grandma had a box of these I don't know and it's 50 bucks and it's gonna get thrown in the trash and yeah, it's yeah. good it's good to help people I don't know right or it's like the used couch scenario. You're like, I'm going to get these for cheap and sell them for more or something. I don't know. Oh, boy. Yeah, no, you don't want to try that. <laughs> that that's, well, that's really morbid if you're, like, buying someone's unused. Uh, yeah. But yeah. it's not inconceivable, <clears throat> I suppose. But, yeah. I, the, but I guess I was thinking about what you were saying, what Mega was saying. And I think part of that's the interesting thing about it is it's kind of like... Alright, we don't have time machines, but if you're going to have a time machine, if you really want to understand a place or understand a time, a lot of it is those things that you don't think about, right? But you're noticing in the background of your mind all the time. Yes, yeah. I, it, it can be very, for me, uh, I've struggled over the years in, in real time um, appreciating significance, you know. There are all sorts of things that I've encountered that I, I just winced that I didn't see at the time, you know. And now they mean much more to me. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, um, I could have had a pair of handmade matching Gorbachev signs. One's about 1990, I think he and Reza came to San Francisco. <laughs> and they took a motorcade through the city, the city all the way to Ocean Beach and back. but. They stopped on 17th Street, right at the crest, where it goes into the hate. And the address they stopped at was O O O Uranus. And Reza <laughs> got Stop out, it. and she went to that uh, new terrorist market at O O O Uranus, and she brought some bread and some stoli. So, oh, and of course, man. everyone was in love with this man and went to help end the Cold War. Yeah. Very, very good feelings. And the next day, there was a cardboard sign where Razor shops for bread and stoli. <laughs> oh. oh, I wish. Oh, I had wow. That. that would be an amazing sign to but, have. <laughs> and then here's the matching one, was probably about 10 years later, out in the Richmond district at a corner newsstand. Mikhail Gorbachev was in town and attending a conference at the Presidio, and which is not very far away from uh, this corner store out on California and 22nd Avenue. And his sign was, Gorbachev is coming to World News, Tuesday, 6 p.m. <laughs> and I, I was just taken by the, this man who created so much headline. You know, he lived on the front page of newspapers coming to World News. Well, Gorbachev didn't come to World <laughs> News at 6 p.m., but I sure do miss not having that sign. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> um, and I don't know if at the time, you know, you're also taking something, so there's that tension. You know, you want to be cool about what you take. I kept my eye on those uh, not expensive, carefully posters for a good long while. And once yeah. they were starting to go away, and because uh, people were taking those little tabs, you know, to call them up, you know, they're doing business. So 
you know, you want to have you some don't want to ethic dis- about It's like it. kind of being an anthropologist. You don't want to disrupt. Yeah, yeah. You want to minimally disrupt the thing that well, you're... Well, in, in some yeah. cases... I would wait, I mean, yeah, I, I would wait and a, take it once the final tab is left, so I have one tab with the sign. Yeah, I was, I, <laughs> I was kind of ruthless with the block driveway windshield note. You know that's for a single intent. Yeah, but there's like, audience. but there's like maybe like a hundred. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah those, those ones, those ones. Get that message. Yeah, those ones. You know, but I got kind of ruthless about it because I just, you know. See, but now I feel like. So you don't think the, so? These people never got the messages that. <laughs> well, no. In some cases, the ones <laughs> I picked up were on the pavement. You know, they people throw them away. They got mad. Yeah. Them. Yeah. Okay. Okay. But um, I think uh, some of them. You know, friends would take them off of windshields. Uh, you know, but I, I, it's funny, too, to think about. Now, I think... What's this one? Can I get to read yeah, one? Yeah, oh, go yeah. ahead and read one. Go ahead and read one. To well, the owner I, of but, this car. Oh, yeah. I am so... I am goddamn tired of hearing your fucking car alarm. I suggest you do not let me hear it again. Do you understand what I'm saying? If not, read between the fucking lines, you asshole. <laughs> <laughs> tell them about the paper it's on. It's read on ledger paper. <laughs> it's on ledger. <laughs> read between the lines. <laughs> That's great. It's on ledger paper. But you know, but it's weird though because I think now people maybe do similar things, you but they you. don't do the legwork to do it a lot of the time, right? Like I think I could imagine someone now being like. Instead of going and finding these things, which I think changes it somehow, putting an ad on Craigslist and saying, if you have an angry note someone left you about parking in their spot, send it to me. Or, or maybe not even send it to me. Send me a picture of it, right? Mm-hmm. Like, but, and I don't know. It doesn't seem like that should be inherently different, but it feels very different to me in some way. Hmm. Um, well, I had my, my, my gang of contributors, you know, they were, they were out there mining things for me, but soliciting in that matter, I guess, I guess that's what Found Magazine did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, that was based on a collection and they were very upfront, (laughs) found stuff. This is a weird sign, I don't know what it means, but Andre Von Blackwell does, does not do drugs, past, present, future, what? What the fuck? <laughs> but there's also something about it. Yeah, no, that's I pretty good. I think that have something to do with high school, maybe, you know, maybe a <laughs> campaign poster. I, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. But that's the other interesting, like, that's, They raise questions, right? Yeah, that's well, that's the interesting thing. Like, you don't have the context to totally make sense out of it, right? You're like... And you, you're, so you're kind of left to imagine, oh, what is the situation that could have created this? That's a good finding for me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it raises that question, <laughs> makes you, gives you something to wonder about. Absolutely. So I remember one of your projects that I remember was your basketball catastrophe basketball catastrophe project. basketball yeah. project. You want to talk about that a little bit? Well, I arrived here in New Orleans. Did I say it right? You know, I came here. <laughs> yeah, and sure. You might as well spell it L E E N Z, from what I understood. But uh, anyway, I, I got, you're talking to. I, I think, got yeah. here in uh, early October two thousand and five, um, and 
That's actually, I, I got off 610 on Elysian Fields, and there's a pile of junk there, and I, I saw my first basketball there. Um, and, uh, you know, you would drive around, you're just kind of fascinated by this apocalyptic landscape. Which yeah. You're just trying to comprehend it. And, um, you know, just a lot of common Everything is out there. So this is implied, but we should say, for people who don't know, I mean, New Orleanians know, but uh, this is not long after Katrina. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. 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 And they they do a lot of, these basketballs do a lot of testifying, you know, um, to, you know, to what they went through. And I, I just, I, I was attracted to them. I've always wanted to collect basketballs anyway, you know. <laughs> and I used to come, I used to deal with that impulse in San Francisco, and I'd get up to five or six, and I'd think, well, this makes no sense, you know. <laughs> but here, you know, you would encounter these things, and they've been through so much, uh, and you're around all this devastation. I think for me, uh, it was a chance for some rescue. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um because if they stay there, they're just gonna, you know, get plowed under and you know destroyed or this, that, the other. Um, so yeah, I started collecting, and I would go out. I kind of felt like Dennis Rodman some afternoons. Yeah, I was going to the rack, you know. I should not make light of it, and I won't. Um, but anyway, I brought them home, and after a while, I. I I got to 92, and a friend of mine said, well, you know, there's 92 natural elements, and I decided to stop there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I wanted to take care of them. I really liked that project. I really did, because, well, uh, a lot of things about it. I mean, one, I think I would have never imagined the variety of those basketballs, and there's just something nice about looking at the pictures of them all in the same place and being like, Wow, the variety of what they were to begin with, and that how the things they've been through change them, yeah, yeah. is is really nice. Yeah. Um, and then I don't know that that was necessarily your intention, but I remember to me at the time it felt to me like a really nice satire on a lot of what was going on with the post-Katrina culture of people selling books, too. Like, people are... A lot of people capitalizing on that, capitalizing on that experience, and and that it was kind of an interesting counterpoint to being, like, here's this book of basketballs <laughs> rescued from Katrina, <laughs> right? Which is a little bit funny in some way, but it also isn't funny because it's also a real thing, right? If I think about New Orleans and I think about any neighborhood, I mean, that was my experience as a teenager, and it's I still think, like, teenagers in New Orleans, you're at the local playground playing basketball, right? Like, that's a... So, at the same time, it's a little bit funny, but it's also, like, not... It is also a real valid thing, right? Like that's part... That's a real part of the city. That's a real yeah. part of the culture, you know? Yeah. I mean, uh... My own response, I, one thing I appreciate about the image is, is uh, you know, they're isolated on a black background, but they, they suggest worlds, you know. Yeah, and, there's that uh, too, the connotations and, uh, of it, yeah. So, you know, and, and, and many worlds were lost, you know. 
So it's just a, no, I wasn't really that aware of, of what other folks were doing. I know. Well, that's what I'm saying. I know you weren't doing that, but I appreciated it for that reason, too. I also appreciated it for that reason, because I felt like, especially in the writing community, some people that we knew, even, were kind of exploiting some of that stuff. And some of it was pretty uh, tawdry to me, you know? Yeah. That still goes on. I mean, what? I think I was just driving somewhere the other day, and I saw a business. I think it was like a coffee shop and their logo was like the hash marks on the on the houses where you check to see who was alive or who was dead yeah that's so fucking weird jesus man like (laughs) i understand that people appropriated that as a symbol of like survival or something but that just seems grossly inappropriate to use that as like the logo for your business and they might have not made that decision maybe some graphic design firm made that decision for or them, maybe they didn't like, maybe they what? just appropriated that without knowing what it meant that's possible too i don't know but it was just interesting to see it was just like what well you know I, i'm gonna send you a, a file i made in october 2005 uh, by the operator of post Katrina, this and that, uh, use refrigerators. Oh, that that sounds good. I like that. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. And I know was, that wasn't. I, I know that I'm wasn't, sure there were thousands yeah. of refrigerators on the street. Uh, yeah, yeah. Everybody's yeah fridge went out. Yeah. yeah. But I know that wasn't your intention. But I did appreciate that about that project. And I also think, but that's, like, all of those things, that's the nice thing about found things, right? People want to write something to commemorate some experience, and inevitably, when they do that, they do a pretty shitty job of it. We're commemorating those experiences inadvertently in all these other detritus we leave behind, right? And to me, that's much more effective at commemorating those experiences than some conscious attempt at... Especially when it's something really big like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, okay, good. All right, we can move on to a less less heavy topic. Less heavy what topic. About the, uh, what about your um, van project? Van. Well, I have a, um, a Google <laughs> alert, search engine alert um, for quote unquote. Toyota van and Craigslist. So I should have sold you my van. You know I had one. A to- well, we'll talk about that in a minute. But for <laughs> me, that uh, batch of emails in the morning, it's it's almost makes it like Christmas morning sometimes. I don't I don't know <laughs> because the uh, person who owns the Toyota van, they're often very. They're very informed, they're very specific in, in a lot of cases. So I didn't even understand this term until I started seeing some of these listings. Oh, okay. What is a space chunky? Well, no, a spacey. Right? A spacey. Oh, yeah. Maybe I was confusing no, two of the my, terms. The name of the album that I keep them in is called Cheesecake Spaces. Oh, Cheesecake Spaces. All yeah. right. So Spaces is the term. That original 80s Toyota van had the, uh, was sometimes called uh, a space cruiser. Or a, a spacey, space. or this or that. Cool. I think it's the first kind of. Um, I didn't know that. Yeah, well, yeah. My dad so, had a white one, and then I had a maroon one. Anyway, I I just uh, plow through those ads, and I 
save the material. You know, it's often uh, some very the ads can, can be very well written and have a lot of narrative to them. And um, <laughs> so, I, yeah, I recently published uh, about ninety-six page. Um, uh, what's it called? I love my van. I used to have one too, Joseph. Love. Yeah, you know, I, I was just uh, getting back to this post-Katrina experience. You know, you're driving around the lower ninth ward for a while, and you're maybe you're there a little too long, you know, and uh, <laughs> and it just gets creepy because you know you just feel enveloped by this yeah. muck. You yeah, know, it's dire and it's never gonna. It's insoluble, and and I, I would have to at that point run to my van. <laughs> <laughs> and I would just drive away very slowly, singing, I love my van. So that's where the title of the book comes from. Wow. I, I really did love that vehicle. It has a fatal flaw called the hose of death. It's a four-inch, three-eighths heater hose that blows in the heater, and then the head gasket Oh blows. wow! Then it makes yeah. your head gasket blow. Yes. Too, oh, that's instantly no. Well, in about twenty minutes, you're going to overheat if you're not watching. Oh, if yeah. you're not watching the, the gauge, you know. And, uh, I, I didn't know about the hose of death. And, uh, so I mean, I haven't seen the full book, I guess, but I've seen a lot of the the ad you collected. Yeah. It seems to me like. Maybe more than a lot of cars. Certainly, I mean, outside of people who are, like, really spending money collecting fancy cars or something, there's a lot of emotional attachment to these vans. There is. There is. Um, I think 90% of them are female-gendered. You know, I've run into a couple that are male. It's kind of funny. But, you know, people are passionate about them. They, they really love their Toyota van. Um, I think part of it is, uh, Joseph, you may know, you're sitting right on top of the windshield. Uh, I don't know, it's a very kind of direct, just a very well-made vehicle. You know, so it does have its adherence, most definitely. You think there's some, like, uh, profile you could draw of the people who, uh... I, well, that's, that's what putting this book together, I mean, I was just really appreciating that, um... Yeah, yeah, there is. There is. Uh, it's interesting because it seems like 70% of the used Toyota vans live in the Pacific Northwest. There's a tremendous concentration in Portland, Seattle, uh, you know, in those two states. Um, that kind of makes sense to me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I, I think they probably voted maybe 8 or 4 or 2% for the 45th president, you know. I, I mean, that's the sense I get. <laughs> these, are, these are pretty canny people, you know. Yeah, yeah. And they appreciate, I think there was some, you know, just very fine design in that vehicle that, that a lot of people appreciate. Well, it's a funny, uh, well, yeah, no, I think you're right. I think there's like a funny thing about that design period, right? It's very practical in some ways. Oh, yeah. Four by eight sheet of plywood in the back, no problem. <laughs> but it also has a slight bent towards being sci-fi-ish or some way, in some kind of... Yeah, ice maker in the back, you bet. <laughs> Dual moon roofs. Yeah, 
Yes, sir. This is an interesting combination. You don't normally put, like, sci-fi tendencies and practical in the same direction. It's a weird intersection in some ways. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, uh... I, I would not get another one, though. Well, probably they're probably getting harder and harder to upkeep the longer time goes on, I would imagine, huh? It's not so much that, but um, you've got to have a mechanic who wants to work on it, you know, and, and they're yeah. not that knowledgeable, so... Um, but can you even find the parts for those things anymore? Yeah. 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 They're out there. Yeah. Depends on how old it is. Yeah. yeah. And a lot of these ads... But I guess charging. there is still... Modern enough that it's hard to work on it yourself, probably. Uh, you're sitting on top of the engine, so yeah. Um, there's, there's probably not a lot of space in there yeah, either. There's, there's a, <laughs> space yeah. in that. Yeah, uh, you, no, you, you need a some I, specialized I, tools, probably. A mechanic who wants to work on it. Yeah, and that's a problem. Yeah. So, if you were gonna give advice. How do you go about finding these poetic things in the world? Um, well, I, uh, you know, I think that, uh, I'm going to go back to the manifesto here on the first page here and read, The healthy mind uses more energy acting as a filter to remove unnecessary or unintelligible stimuli than it does feeding you the processed data. Sanity is selectivity. We live in a world sanitized behind our eyes, muted between our ears, dulling the roar and avalanche of information so that we can stay tuned in to the world and our place in it. Fumes afflicted with terrible memory, the aching inability to fail to see and store even the smallest detail of his sensorium could not comprehend the concept of dog for each movement of the simple beast produced a new constellation of muscle and hair, and breathing an odor that could not be linked by a single irreducible syllable. Your world teems with such a mass of endless possibilities that you cannot but become deaf and blind, senseless but for the small window etched by familiarity, the rest becomes the public domain. <laughs> so, um... I, I don't know. I, I you gotta be careful. I guess that's one thing you want to do. <laughs> well, <laughs> um, yeah. But I think for me, it was in collecting these, sharing them with folks, and I had a chance to share them with a lot of folks at once. So, but I was also a correspondent, and I shared things. So I just uh, gradually, I got you know. I had 12 and 20 contributors. So, yeah. So so that helped me. And I, I also, I got a little complacent. I don't see as much, nearly as much as I used to. And I'm, I'm not that attenuated to it. Or... Well, that was a question I was almost going to ask you before. Are you I, still picking but I thought, uh, Well, no. But I thought, but I thought it was, but then I kind of doubted my own question. I was like, do you think... To some extent, the way society has changed 
has not eliminated those things, but made them maybe pushed into a little bit less public view. Where before it was like, it was right out in public, you just, most people weren't paying attention to it. Yeah. Where now maybe you gotta search for it a little more. Uh, you, you do, and, and people don't, uh, well, people are, I don't think people use telephone poles as much as they did when I was a boy. Well, yeah, you know? but I guess that's what I mean. Like, you could probably find similar things, but you've got to find, like, corners of the internet or something. Where, like, Wikipedia, I mean, uh, Craigslist is a nice space for yeah, that, yeah. but that's not all of it. And I think maybe some of the weirder stuff is hiding somewhere else? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, people yeah. don't use telephone poles as much anymore. Yeah. I am partial. I, I guess, I, you know, uh, I mean, I, I, I've certainly done the project where just harvesting digital information. Um, well, that's also less fun in some ways. I, I think. I, I'm much more partial to tangible. Yeah. Well, I agree because you get a story outside of the content. You also get the story of, like, we were looking at that paper and it had the stamp of the yes, Easter yeah. Islands on yes, that, and that's yes. a whole separate story from the content of yeah. the note like you also have this weird yeah like <laughs> it was why is it on this paper or like the, the ledger sheet and you know it's like that's a whole another extra layer to the yeah, story exactly you have those things and, I, and not that those don't exist but maybe they're harder to find now the materiality yeah i think so i mean i i mean i'm out there looking for specific things and you know you'd think that you'd think that certain things show up, but they just don't, you know, like you go into any junk shop or antique shops, that whole idea of going into antique shops anymore and, you know, every last thing isn't cataloged and sort of the rough, the rougher ones, the ones where it's just like stuff you can dig through, you know, are few and far between really. And you go out and look for stuff and you never know when you're going to run into it. You know, you could, you could find a jackpot of, who knows what at a at a thrift shop if on the right day you could find all sorts of a family photo album or you know whatever it is that's just got like all sorts of cool photos or cool video or cool whatever but a lot of times at thrift shops you know they have to throw that stuff away they throw family photos away if it's VHSs or any video or filming of any private thing they throw all that away they don't they don't sell you that stuff anymore well, or whatever. they don't have to, but I understand it's not valuable to them, but they could do a thing like, I wish they would do that. Any thrift, thrift stores that are listening, please start doing this. I don't know who started doing that, but it's a wonderful thing. When you have used bookstores that are like, have walls of things found inside books. Yeah, that's cool. You could easily do that with a thrift store of just... Stuff we can't sell that's interesting. Well, aren't they supposed to? Know? Aren't they supposed to go through the pockets? Because I found <laughs> I found money in suit coat pockets from thrift stores before. I found a five dollar bill in a suit coat, and I bought the suit coat with the five dollar bill that was in the pocket. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's just that's a transaction. <laughs> good luck, Joseph. <laughs> that is good luck. No, but I mean the interesting stuff, right? Or like, I mean, you, but you've seen those at bookstores, right? Where they have like. Things found in something because you stick something in there as a marker, and sometimes that stuff's really interesting, right? Yeah. Or, or I've found I have a copy of John Hawkes's Second Skin that has the most bizarre book plate that I do not understand. 
This was someone's book plate for their personal collection. It has this weird 1900s nude photograph of a woman with their name under it, like, from the library of... (laughs) Really? That was their, uh... That was their book plate that they used uh, for some reason, which is that's weird. awesome, and it makes it like a really interesting book. In some, I mean, it, I like the book in and of itself, but to be like, who was this person who owned this book before me? Wow. Okay. Well, that reminds me, Joseph. You talked about any advice, and I'm just remembering this uh, saying that I got to hear in person. Um, you know why you have to take a bet every day? A bath? A bet. A bet. Why, why do you have to take a, a wager, bet every day? A gamble. Yeah, why do you have to take a, a wager every day? Because if you don't, you could be walking around lucky and not even know it. <laughs> so I guess I think you got to take a bet every day on your, on your interests. Yeah. You know? No, I like that. And that's true, right? I think all of us have a wealth of things around us that we don't pay attention to. And that's why I backed off from that question, and then I still asked it anyway, is because I think maybe that's not fair to blame it on the evolution of society. Because I still think there's all kinds of stuff all around us we don't pay attention to. It's just different, maybe, mm-hmm. than it used to be, right? It's a, it's a different place. But I think there's still a wealth of things all around us that we don't pay attention to all the time. That are highly significant, and concise, and telling, and yeah. Um, one of my projects, and I do a lot of collecting with the camera. It's called Departments of Parks and Recreation in New Orleans, and uh, it's just those sad street hoops that you see. <laughs> yeah, in the yeah. Woods, you know. <laughs> um, so I, I, I like the subtlety of the plural departments, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's really up to you to to uh, come up with your own <laughs> recreation. <laughs> so, that's... that's uh, it's not quite public domain, though. People often want to know why you're doing that. They don't understand it, and, you know, you usually <laughs> have to aim it at a house or a driveway or this or that. Yeah, yeah. So... So, you got that that you're doing right now. Do you have any, uh, like, projects you want people to know about? Or, I don't even know. I, I got projects I don't want people to know about. I'll tell yeah, you I don't even know what that means. I, 1990s <laughs> Times Square, 10, um, eight and a half by 11 sheets. And on each one of them, there's 40 drawings of a man and a woman and they are various sexual positions. So I am. Uh, so there's about four hundred of them. Four hundred. like pages of them in rocking chairs and tables and this and that. So I'm taking each one of those figures and I'm making an animation. Um, uh, so I, I'm curious how that. I, I've seen. Uh, I'm I've curious seen, how that's going to turn out. <laughs> Well, there's something so likable about these people. When I watch the original animations that I made, that they just, you know, are so devoted to this uh, activity. I mean, you can't help but like them. 
And uh, that was originally published along with a collection of Nigerian scam letters um, that were received over the fax in the 1990s. So uh, I think that I, I'm, I'm interested to see how the scam letters might provide a soundtrack to the animation. I don't <laughs> how, how many scam letters? I, I have a big, thick, I, I well, many, many. I mean, the publication I made has... Are they all different? Yes, yeah. I'm going to offer a suggestion right now. Wow. Yeah. You need you, to get... I think that's the work of just one person. <laughs> you need to get a period fax machine. Okay. Refax them, record the sound of those scam letters going oh, through the fax machine, and that's the soundtrack for the, okay. the animation of okay. the sex drives. I like that. Okay, good. Well, I, I could just phony up that fax sound. You could, okay. you know, you could. That the other thing you could do, cool. the other thing you could do, is you could sign up for a. If you if you could figure out how to do it all in thirty days, and you can you can sign up for a fax number that is through an email address. But does it make the sound? No, no, no. Hold on, hold on. A fax mail through an email address, where you can you can you can send an email from a certain email. And it goes to a fax machine, and you okay. can send a yeah, 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 yeah. You and you can send that. a fax so to you an email. One fax machine, not two. Oh, but, but you could have. You no, but you could also have another document of it. But if you're you could, worried that the sound is too irritating, which it might be, and a funny thing to do, maybe after you record the sound of that fax machine of those faxes going through, run it through auto tune. Oh my god. <laughs> Okay, you can auto-tune the sound of the faxes going through the fax machine, so it might be more pleasant. That might be kind of neat. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Right. Sounds like you just completed the project for him. <laughs> An idea, at least. A concept. Well, well my whole thing, the whole, the, whole point of, the whole point of me saying that you should send it to the email is that then they get to go back in their purely original form, their emails again. But you can fax, it could be, you fax them through the fax machine, and they go to an email address. So I'm saying... it's a lot of rabbit holes you, in this but you could, yeah, But you could, have a, you could have a dedicated email that's set up just to receive your 397 pages of Nigerian scam emails. Okay, good. Do you know what I'm saying? Oh, I, I uh, my head is spinning. Oh, <laughs> and then I don't know how you're going to distribute these, but however you distribute them, if you're distributing them digitally, this video, yeah, yeah, I think you should somehow get people to sign up. They have to use an email to download this video, and then you can email them the the Nigerian scam emails again. With oh the Email sign. But up. I would send. I would if I were you. I would do that. I would do it so that when they get the email in the email, they get a random Nigerian scam oh, email yeah, that'd be really good. with you a link to the project the... in the bottom. Yeah. So they think it's... How many of those do you think are going to get lost in the spam folder? <laughs> I don't know. I mean... I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, what was I going to say? I do want to mention... So I have a... Uh, I'm assembling this this library of this... Of the of these drawings, you know, about four hundred of them. Um, so I'd like those to go back into the public domain. <laughs> I mean, it sounds pretty great. <laughs> yeah, but but it also feels pretty disreputable too, you know. So which drawings are, is this? Of, of the sexual positions from Times Square, you know, on the eight and a half by eleven, um, you know, and their drawings. Well. Thank you, Chris. I mean, I think that was an interesting conversation. I, I mean, I had fun talking about it.
Okay. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Is there anything else you wanted to add, or? And we can link to your. Or? We can link to your. Yeah. Catalog on show notes and stuff. We can do all that. Okay, good, good. Um, well, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, but uh, I'm interested in found work, and you know, it's this, this episode's inspired me to make some found work to pull to pull some found projects together. Yeah, I think maybe when close, I'll, I'll read some literal. I don't know if it was found poetry. Alright, yeah. so you're going to read us another piece here? <laughs> yes, it's from the second issue. It's eight and a half by eleven. All caps, handwritten, poetry, one dollar. In the bright afternoon sun, the crowd is having fun. It is the annual swimming meet. In summer heat, you can see... Each swimmer strokes as he, with God's grace, tries to win the race. In each face you can see grace. In their beautiful form creation they swim in formation. (laughs) Ralph T. Merrill. And that last line just kills me, fellas. (laughs) They swim swim in formation. (laughs)
Thank you.